Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. My name is Jay Allen Cross and we have a very special episode for you today. We have on a guest that I have been so excited to speak to for weeks now as their book is impending. It is coming very soon. It is coming in early December, which is earlier than they had originally planned on it. And you know, this person is notoriously hard to get a hold of. I hear that they live in a cabin in the woods and only speak to bears and funguses and plants. Um, and, you know, it's they wore camo pants and flip flops. So I wore camo pants and flip flops like, you know, it's trendsetter and a new voice in the literary occult community. So please, everybody join me in welcoming Britton Boyd. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Britton. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Jay. How are you? I really tried to, I had to stifle my laugh <laughs> through that introduction. <laughs> yes, I wear camo pants and neon orange flip-flops yes. daily. It is a yeah. trend they're setting. Yes, it's it the hot new look. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So, Britton, I'm very excited to have you on the show. How, how has your Halloween been? We've just done the it, Halloween. We did. We ju- It's November 2nd of this recording, and it was quiet for me. Um, I went to bed at around 7.30 p.m. because I am old and pregnant, <laughs> and I was having none of it. Also, my neighborhood was busy with trick-or-treaters, but I um, our house is, like, recessed. It's very tucked back from the rest of the neighborhood, so, like, no one's going to – and our house is, is kind of creepy, so nobody was going to walk up to our house in the night, but I did hear a lot of teenagers screaming in the night. And I was like, wow, it's really like, it was like the purge. Oh, <laughs> it was very alarming. I was like, this is spooky. This, this is, this fits. <laughs> this fits. You know? Yeah. I, I need Halloween to be a little spooky. Like there's this thing going on right now on the internet. Now that everyone has like ring doorbells of people like shaming children, like this child took more than one piece of candy from the bowl that I left out and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I am over the sanitization of Halloween. Halloween is the one day a year where a child should rob you of all of your candy, give your ring camera, the middle finger and then toilet paper your house. Cause if they're not doing that, they're not doing it right. They're not having, they're not living the childhood dream. I, I want to bring back mischief. Right. Treat motherfuckers. Right. Like I saw on the Facebook group that I follow for like an old a neighborhood I used to live in. They were like, kids are out here smashing pumpkins. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's Halloween. Like How dare trick children or have treat. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Fuck your pumpkins. <laughs> I know they're gonna deteriorate anyway. It's not like they're gonna hang on for several weeks post Halloween. Like Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a very, see, so this year I'm treating Halloween as the kickoff to spooky season, not the mm-hmm. end of spooky season, because like that. See, we had, we were kind of robbed of October. Our October was like 95 degrees until like a week ago. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 
calling Halloween the beginning. I'm going to have a very spooky November. I'm probably going to carve my pumpkin tomorrow on the 3rd of November because fuck it. Why not? And so for Halloween, of course, um, go over to my mom's house. She always does it up really big. She has a Halloween tree. It's black. It has Halloween Christmas ornaments. It's hilarious. And I love it. Um, and we made homemade donuts and cookies to give out to trick-or-treaters along with the candy. Let me tell you, a child came to our door in a suit. He was dressed as Justin Trudeau and gave us Canada pins that, quote, came from the source from Canada. <laughs> he was like, you want Canada pins? And I'm like, um, yes, I do. Uh, and my mother is a real estate agent and she thought it was going to be a really great idea to put her business card like in like contact info, like taped to all the candy that she's giving to children on Halloween. You know, it, we didn't connect the dots on that one a little bit because now the next morning she has all these like inquiries from like raw dog in 69, like, you know, 12 year olds. Um, one of which was Justin Trudeau that was like, hi, it's Justin Trudeau. <laughs> what the yeah, hell? We, we were visited by Justin Trudeau at our house. It was great. Oh, I, I like that. I mean, politically speaking here in the U.S. and in Oregon, it's pretty scary times right now. I wouldn't mind if Justin Trudeau, even though he's problematic, swooped down and took me away to Canada. I right. wouldn't mind that. Justin Trudeau, take us away. Yeah. Come get us, Justin Trudeau. I think most of America has a, like a crush on, on him. A little bit. I mean, it's just, <laughs> there's a thing, there's a vibe. There's a vibe for sure. Well, and I especially mean, like when we had Trump as president, politics was not sexy at all. And then mm-mm. like just right, just a little bit north, there's Justin Trudeau. And then they released his old boxing photos when he used to I be a boxer. No. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, oh Canada. Boy. My Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Anyway. Oh, um, boy. Let us, let us interview you. Yeah. Because this is going to be so, a good practice yeah. for you. I have added in some of the questions that you're going to be asked a million times over the next 15 months. Oh boy. And I've also added in some that uh, are a little bit better than what you're going to often run into. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to interview you here. All right, everybody, are you ready? Buckle up. I'm I'm ready. Let me just get my stretches. Arms and legs inside the interview at all times and don't feed the animals. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit. It's okay if your cat has a little bit of salami. Okay. So something we like to ask all of our interviewees here on this podcast is, can you tell us a little bit about your astrology, Britton? Yeah. Well, if y'all haven't guessed, I am an Uber Aries. Uber Aries. Uber. I am an Aries sun, Aries moon, Aries mercury, Aries Venus with an Aquarius rising and a Mars and Taurus. I have a hard time with all of that. It's an intense way to live, but I will say I'm not going to toot my own horn. I'm pretty chill for an Aries. I will occasionally get on Marco Polo with my best friend and scream in a parking lot about something that happened six years ago, like I was doing yesterday, but I'm pretty chill. Right. Well, I think, too, that's kind of why we get along pretty well, too, is both of our Mars energy are pretty relaxed. Like, like, yeah. like a Taurus Mars, like they, they have like, you know, it's, it's a slow rolling thing. It takes a lot to get, to move them 
to the angry place. Once you do, you will be murdered. But it takes a while to get there. And me having kind of like a Pisces Mars, I'm like, you know, we don't need to go there. You know, like, it's fine. We can just hug it out. Right. And then, you know, that's why, you know, because Aries can be a little bit aggressive. But we're, we're fairly chill as far as Aries goes. Right, right. When I look at the Mars signs um, and where Mars can, or where uh, the sign can be in Mars Mm -hmm. is, I hope I said that right. Sorry, y'all. It's just like not computing. I have pregnancy brain right now. And it's morning. Um, Is I think about the tarot, the knights and the tarot. So I always think, like when I think of you with a Pisces Mars, I'm like, oh yeah, Jay is the knight of cups. That is brilliant. You know, and then I think about myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm the knight of pinnacles and then you have like a leo mars you know what i mean Mm -hmm. the knight of wands and so on oh yeah so i kind of i kind of think of it in that in that energy because yeah when you think about mars and gemini i'm like oh yeah you are a knight of swords Uh like you just coming in (laughs) right yeah interesting i I like that approach to it Mm yeah yep and um, I did have, so we do have an episode with Theo Wershing. I could talk about astrology all day. I know I, I won't do that for this episode. Um, but I did have my evolutionary astrology chart drawn up um, with Theo Wershing, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, who we interviewed. And I found out I can't, I think I was born on a balsamic moon. Sounds tasty. And she, Yeah. And she was saying that like, depending on the moon phase is like... She was just like, you were born on a very witchy moon. She was like, so yeah, no wonder you're a, a witch. Like, of course, you're mm-hmm. born on this, during this phase of the moon. So I was like, oh. I like that. Interesting. I didn't know that. vibes happening in it. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So let's dive right on into this a little bit. I'm going to skip our first one. We're going to go right into it. So your book is called Earth Witch, right? Mm-hmm. Do, do we have a yes. subtitle for it as well? Finding Magic in the Land. Finding Magic in the Land. I love that. It's beautiful. So mm-hmm. can you tell us what an Earth Witch is and kind of what it what it means to be one? Right. So, so the creation of the title of the book, when I was um, approached for this project, it wasn't like I knew like somewhere down the road I would like to write a book. Mm-hmm. But I, I was approached. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't planning on writing a book. Some, an acquisitions editor approached me. We didn't have a title for a long time, actually, in the process of like building the, the outline for the book. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought about Ditch Witch, which is like my internet kind of persona <laughs> and ha- like my hashtag. Um, but, you know, Ditch Witch is an actual company (laughs) so we're going to respect their like copyright and stuff um and then um i also you know i was running a course called praxis of the witch and i was like that could be a title but um they kind of like looked at my content and stuff and they suggested earth witch and i was like okay that actually does kind of fit i Mm -hmm. felt a slightly uncomfortable with the title Mm -hmm. um because it felt i don't know weirdly non-specific yeah, and when you hear like Earth Witch, like you think of like '90s version of Earth Witch, or it's like Earth Mama, and yours, yours is is not not your mama's Earth Witch. Yours no. is is a is a different version. It's a it's an Earth Witch for a new age. Yes, Earth mm-hmm. Witch for a new age. I like that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely comes at like uh, witchcraft from like an anti capitalist mm-hmm. lens. Like that's kind of what I'm trying to pull out of like 
modern witchcraft is like that capitalism has told it has its claws in witchcraft at this point. Yes. When you look at witchcraft on the internet in a few chapters of the book, you know, it really kind of takes a critical look Mm -hmm. at how modern witchcraft is um, existing currently Mm -hmm. and that it's not about what we buy Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily about our aesthetic and how Mm -hmm. we present ourselves on the internet, because let's be honest, the internet is a part of our a huge part of like many people's witchcraft practice. So it's where we get information. It's mm-hmm. where we share. It's where we find community in such an alienating age. And um, I really just try to bring people back to what is underneath their feet. And that is the earth. Like mm-hmm. it seems like people have really forgotten yeah. that that is in my opinion, um, in my experience of witchcraft is where we should be orienting our practice is to be in service mm-hmm. to the, to the land and to like the local spirit inhabitants that we interact with on a daily basis. Right. And so much like social media and like internet witchcraft and stuff exists in this sort of nowhere space where it's like, you know, we're grounded in cyberspace, which is like, where even is that? And if, right. if we're going to do witchcraft, you know, it starts with the dirt under your feet. Yes, and absolutely. Kind of, people are trying to ground themselves in TikTok and you can't do that. You have to go outside. You have to touch the earth. You have to know where the hell you are. Like, and not even in like a political whose land did this belong to sort of way, but in like a, where do I even exist in space? You know, in this worth, where is my connection to this ground, to this world? that I'm trying to alter through magic, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I love that. People are trying to ground themselves through, through the ether of like, it's like the internet to me is like, it's such a, like an airy concept, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the, I guess the reality of the internet is that we, we have like data centers. Have you ever been driven past a data center for like Facebook? There's one as I would go back and it is. It's when I would drive back and forth from Eastern to Western Oregon through Central Oregon, there's like a huge Facebook data center. And my partner who does ironwork, like has worked at the like constructing these buildings and the security around them is insane. Um, There it's crazy. And that's the, where the internet lives is like they occupy large chunks of land you know, I don't know. It's just, and it's a thing. Absorb huge amounts of energy. <laughs> oh, tons. To keep them running. Ugh. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for your book now because I think this is necessary. I mean, I have been excited for your book, but I am even more <laughs> Here's a question that I'm sure you're going to be getting a million times. Is, <laughs> so your book is about connecting with the land. Right. What if we live in an urban landscape? What if we live in the middle of the city and... It's just concrete and construction. I mean, Portland right now just looks like a never-ending construction site of cement and metal. Mm -hmm. Is there still land there to connect with? Can you still do this work in a space like that? Or do we all have to move to the woods and everybody, not the Pacific Northwest, please, please do not move to the Pacific Northwest. Don't do it. You won't like it. I promise. (laughs) Let's do it. All the films... (laughs) that are showing Oregon or Washington are 
recorded in British Columbia. That is not what it looks like here. Do not. Move. That's where you want to go. Is do you want to go to BC? Yeah, go go to go to Canada. Speaking of Justin Trudeau, go go to Canada. Anyway, um, so what do we do if we have an an urban landscape? Can we still do this work? Right. Yeah, I love this question because when uh, folks ask me this, like they're. Like I did have a person ask me, they're like, I'm getting ready to move to Seattle. And they're like, I don't even know where to begin. Like, it doesn't feel magical to me. And I was like, hold up. Seattle has tons of witches and like super magical place. Like it's very green there. Um, And you uh, don't have to be, I know I've been living in the Pacific Northwest for 15 years. We do have greenish cities and stuff. And I lived in Portland for 10 years and Portland was where I actually got, I don't want to say initiate, I guess initiated into witchcraft, not through mm-hmm. a coven or a group or a person, but that's where it all started for me was living in Portland, Oregon, in the city, um, living in the concrete jungle. Um, it is 100% possible. Um, I personally feel the all land is sacred, even if it has been built over, if it's been raised, it's still, there's spirit still hums there. They didn't leave. You know, they're still occupying that space and especially land that's being threatened, that has been degraded, really needs our attention, like really needs our attention. We have this idea that, oh, in order for my witchcraft or my craft or my magic or my practice to be powerful, I have to go to this air quotes, untouched wilderness. Wilderness (laughs) is a construct of white supremacy led land management practices here in North America. Um, and they, they moved the original inhabitants, like genocided them out of their land, you know? So I think that it's really honorable and where we should orient ourselves is towards land that has been built over and like learning to, to see through the cracks in the pavement, if that makes sense. That <laughs> like, absolutely makes sense. Finding the dandelions, finding the plantain growing. And I was at an herbal conference in 2015. And the keynote speaker was Sean Donahue. He is an herbalist and like a mystic. And he was doing like land acknowledgments and all this stuff. But one of the things that he said was, he's like, when I, and he is a neurodivergent person. He's like, when I walk through the city and I can hear the electricity currents through the power lines. He's like, I hear the salmon running. He's like, I hear the salmon running through the electricity. And I have, I have like actual chills right now saying that aloud. Interesting. It's there. It's there. You have to know where to look. And in a way I almost look to fiction like Neil Gaiman's work, like American Mm -hmm. gods spirit is adaptive. Mm -hmm. I think so it didn't leave so much as it changed maybe a little it bit shifted uh-huh. yeah so yes i do feel that you can connect to spirit and to the land if you're living in a city if you're living in an urban landscape a suburban neighborhood you just have to look with new eyes uh-huh. or you have to shift your vision uh-huh. and kind of you know it's like when you're reading, you know, being able to read between the lines, you know, it's like, maybe we find a park, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we find a statue mm-hmm. that that represents the spirit of the area. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or the culture of the area or something like that. Yeah. Um, it can be helpful to go and take trips to the forest or the woods or the plains or the mountains or the hills or whatever mm-hmm. is local to you um, and to connect that way. One of the exercises that I do um, suggest in the book is to play with maps and oh. look at look at topography maps and mm-hmm. to just get a map a, re- a map of your area and to just exp- you can do it from home or you can get on Google Maps you know and just like explore your area and tr- and like see what stands out to you like is there a place that that's like oh that looks really interesting I want to go visit so go like go visit that is very cool I have mm-hmm. found some interesting places doing that and. I love this idea of, you know, not only (laughs) finding it, you know, finding this land energy and this land spirit in an urban place, but also prioritizing it. Mm -hmm. That actually these are the places that we should focus on the most. Mm -hmm. Because I think not only is it, we we have this tendency these days in the modern witchcraft community to, and I, I think it's kind of part of this whole like woke culture thing that we're going through right now where it's like, as soon as something is disrupted or as soon as it's touched by something, you know, problematic, then we abandon it completely. It's puritanical thinking. Right. Yeah. It's like, Oh, well this, this land has been tainted. So I'm going to flee it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go to a place that I deem to be more pure, you know, a place like, you know, the, the woods or whatever, versus instead of being like, actually this land needs us the most. It's kind of like when people have like their ancestors and they're like, I'm going to do ancestor veneration, except for the ones that I think were bad. And it's like, right. those are the ancestors that need your help the most. Right, right. And I, I also dive into a lot of the uh, ancestor work in the book uh, and talk about dealing with those problematic ancestors. Anyway, especially if you're like a white, come from like white settler heritage like myself, mm-hmm. it's like that that can be part of like rep- a reparations process. Like right. on a spiritual front is tending to these these pieces of like land or, you know, in a neighborhood or in a city and rewilding them. Right. You know, I, I don't know, like if that's entirely appropriate to say, <laughs> <laughs> given like the politically correct culture and what culture that we live in, but that's right. kind of how I view it. And that's also how I view the, the piece of ancestor work is like, it is a um, living amends. When we acknowledge the wrongs of our ancestors and that I am living uh, to correct or to To fix it, to fix it and to embody that that wasn't right. And I want to fix that. I want to carry it forward and I want to pass it on to the next generation that we can do the right thing. Right. We can't cancel the land. We can't cancel the ancestors, but we can maybe do something to help, to fix, to correct if we can. And I think that that's going to be so much more helpful than just this deny, bury, banish, you know, this thing that has been disrupted as much as we can try and fix it if we can. Mm -hmm. I think the answer is there. And I think that that's so important Um, because this land remembers. People look at land like, oh, well, this, you, you know, oh, it, it, they, they think about it as times of like, um, of, of sort of like recent history. People don't realize that this dirt under your feet, this land has been here for millions of years. A long time. 
it's been here since before people existed. Mm -hmm. Since before organisms existed. This land has been here since the beginning. It was the first thing here. Mm -hmm. And so to think that like our little teeny blip on the timeline um, is the only thing that this land knows or remembers is absurd. It's a, it's a human, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for here? It's human supremacy. It's the narrative like that. Oh, everything began with us. It began with me and the, yeah, the only like interaction this place has had is only with me. Like it's just very a narrow view Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I noticed folks getting kind of caught up in that. And there's, there's like thinking of like deep time, yes, you know, and it's like, that is where like, you know, leaving the, if you can, like one thing that I have found super helpful is finding like the oldest tree in my region and going to them like as a pilgrimage once a year or something mm-hmm. like that. And I do have one nearby, when you stand with a tree that's 800 years old, like yeah, the the things it, that tree has seen. Right. And you can do that with stargazing as well. Mm. Like that's stargazing is what helps me feel really fucking small. And like kind of knock, you kind of knocks you off the, the, that human supremacy narrative that we all get caught up in. You know, we're we're pretty self-centered creatures at the end it of the day. It slaps you right out of that main character syndrome. It does. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are uncomfortable with like the things like the stars or like the sea that makes them feel so small. It's a big relief to me that I am absolutely nobody. I'm like, oh, thank God. Right. I can relax a little bit. Right. Well, it's like, I feel like it's, and that's like where the new age to me has like also infiltrated witchcraft. Like when I go on Amazon or I look at TikTok or I look at Mm -hmm. Instagram, it's like, this isn't to me. And I know this is going to make some people really uncomfortable. That's not witchcraft to me. That's just new age shit. Right. Right. That I'm seeing is like, you're the center of the fucking universe. Mm-hmm. No, you're fucking not. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> like you are a part of it. Yeah, but you are not. Like, yeah, that's that's something that I run into as well a lot. Where I'm like, oh, we think very highly of ourselves. We sure do. And like when you when you look at the witches historically and in folk tales, they're not they're not some new age guru. <laughs> they're hanging out with like. The plants and the local animals and like brewing concoctions and helping people and or cursing people, you know, like being a villain or not, who knows. But yeah, they're not like encouraging you to to do ayahuasca to. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, ayahuasca. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast episode. A whole other podcast. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, So. When it comes to the actual witchcraft portion of this book, how kind of how are we approaching the craft through the lens of your book? Like how, you know, there's a lot of ways to approach witchcraft. How how are you from from what angle are you leading the reader towards witchcraft in or, or how are we doing the thing? How are we getting that makes there? Any sense? Yeah. Right. I actually like don't have a physical copy of my book right now because it's, <laughs> it got published early. 
I will be getting it in mid month here in November. Um, oh, so I funny. can't remember exactly which chapter it is. Cause we had, you know, during the editing process, things get moved around. All of it gets shuffled around. It, it gets really shuffled around. So you're like, Oh, like I have to read my book to remember like, or know even what's where, cause we get shifted to, you know, present it in a better way. So I think that the, I don't really know. It's a very like intuitively led book. Oh, uh-huh. So it's really about recognizing signs mm-hmm. of feeling called because I feel you need, maybe you don't need to feel called, but there needs to be some kind of stirring going on, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like some kind of like, what is this in me? Mm-hmm. What that's causing me to gravitate towards these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and listening to that and letting and and being able to recognize the signs through dream work, through opening yourself to ancestor work, to just really basic exercises in connecting with the land through like trees um, or places of power and letting that lead you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a cho- if it's for every witch. It is a very much a choose your own adventure. Not every witch is going to be like really into plants. Some witches will not care about plants and some witches will be really into stones, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think we all have our specialty and we all spirit. Essentially it is um, hopefully going to connect the reader to spirit so that they can be guided mm-hmm. into the pathway that works works for them does does that make sense yeah i like that i like that that's a good way to kind of go about it too kind of like this i like this idea of being like intuitively led but also like learning how to follow that call right versus like because some people you follow and and their call changes as mainstream witchcraft tiktok changes things like that it's like yeah are you following the call or are you following the 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 tiktok um you know finding what our personal (laughs) call is and and following that and and learning how to hear it and then listen to it so yes very cool very cool Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you do make some political statements about the state of modern witchcraft and witch culture um we kind of touched on them a little bit earlier but i I would like to kind of dive into this a little bit so what are your stances and kind of why why do you take them why is it important that we take them well it's really you know up to the individual at the end of the day how they align themselves i guess politically speaking Mm -hmm. you know um and i don't expect it's it my book isn't, I'm not trying to prophetize uh, a way of thinking and a way of being and that your witchcraft is invalid. If you're not a a leftist, whatever, Mm -hmm. do whatever you want at the end of the day. (laughs) But at the end of the day, also, um, when you look at the historical representation of the witch, they're subversive. Mm -hmm. They defy the status quo. Mm-hmm. They speak for the, those who can't speak. Mm-hmm. Um, they defend those who can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, their craft comes from a place of need. Mm-hmm. It comes from like systemic oppression. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. So we know where that tends to orient. If, if that, without like picking, um, 
I guess p- picking a like on a, a, a like a spectrum. Pl- yeah. Right. So to me, at the end of the day, it's like if you're in service to the land, what are you going to do? How are you going to mm. vote? How are you going to show up? Who are you going to be an accomplice with? Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Um, while yeah. still, while still also having to accept that we do live in capitalism. Right. You know, there's a certain amount of like reality that is important to kind of maintain, but also what do we want for the future at the same time? Like here's where we are now and here's where we have to exist. Cause I think sometimes with certain activism, there's a need to live in the way that things should be mm-hmm. versus living in the way that things are and striving to make them the way that things should be. Mm-hmm. You know, if that makes sense where it's like, we all, we almost jump over <laughs> the, the creation of that new world and just kind of try to live in it ahead of time. And we, we almost sometimes don't don't get there because of that. They're kind of like, you know, yes, we do exist in capitalism, so we have to play by these rules. But moving forward, how do we right. go in a different direction? You know, right. It is very much. And, and that's the thing about witchcraft is it's paradoxical. Always. And so there's that's that's a part of the book is that it embraces paradox. And if yes. you're going to be doing witchcraft and also existing in this time space continuum that we all find ourselves in, um, you have to embrace paradox. It's strange to, for me, like I, I, I have like anti-civilization views, uh, but yet I have to exist in capitalism to survive (laughs) and stuff. It's really fucking weird. It's a liminal space um, that I think a witch can find an interesting niche in um, Mm -hmm. to help their community, to help themselves, to help their family, to help future generations um, and to continue to play the role of a person uh, who kind of mediates between the seen and the unseen. Mm. You know? That makes sense. Very cool. I'm very excited for your book. I make sure that they send me a copy. Oh, I will. And also I'll, I'll write a blurb for it because that's very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So let us... Um, <laughs> so let's just a couple more questions mm-hmm. because I know that we're kind of running up on time here. What... This is... And I'm going to throw you a curveball here because it's not on the list of questions I sent you. Oh, no. <laughs> um, first, what do you think people are going to be most surprised to find in your book, whether it's like a certain kind of spell work or, or kind of a, an opinion or um, on the other side, what do you think that most people are going to have the biggest aha moment with kind of like, Oh, this is really neat. I'm, this is going to be the part that I really take away from it. You know, what, mm-hmm. what do you think those elements are? Um, so for your first question, what I think people may be surprised by, I don't know if like, People who listen to the podcast and then they buy my book, they might not be surprised, but I think like the av- like the person who really who doesn't know me and they just stumble upon my book in the wild mm-hmm. may be surprised to see that it was written by somebody who is in a 12-step recovery program. <laughs> <laughs> and that you will find that that influence, spiritually speaking, like in the book. It's there. Um, being of service. Yeah. You know, orienting yourself uh, towards a, um, a a divine spiritual power that is outside of yourself and allowing that to fill you um, is uh, 
really kind of what helped me de like decenter myself and stopped looking at witchcraft from such a, a selfish perspective. And that's the other criticism that I had like put in with modern witchcraft is it isn't a modern witchcraft is like super fucking selfish. It's, a it's big like, what, fast. what can I get? How can I get this? How can I manifest? And, and then, and then it's just like, well, that's just new age stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. not actual orientation towards serving the the spirits and the land and each other, you know, being in community, being, right. being part of a whole versus being the whole, you know, mm-hmm. that sounds dirty, but that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. And then, um, I think maybe an aha moment. Okay. This is pretty specific. But I had shared excerpts of this and had some folks be like, holy shit, that makes so much sense for me. Is that um, when it comes to working with um, the moon, Mm-mm. and I've talked about this on the podcast, I think, is that you don't need a lot of people associate witches with the moon naturally Mm -hmm. um and a lot of people think that we're just like super crazy for the moon and that we're like super interested in it and like we follow it all the time and yeah that we're just like stand the moon we bff the moon (laughs) and that's not the case it wasn't the case for me i actually had like a really not like i was just like not interested in that in the beginning and um i've had quite a few people be like I they were like I felt like I couldn't be a witch because I didn't really care for this whole moon stuff right off the bat. They were like that's not what I was interested in. I know that sounds is like super specific, but I hope that not everyone um, has to be oriented in that. I guess that specific direction. Um, it's and- amazing what can happen when you are granted permission to not deal with that part that's really holding you back. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Like you can put that down now. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to fight it and your your witchcraft doesn't have to look like other people's witchcraft. Yeah. No. Yeah. It really doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I for one absolutely cannot wait for your book. Uh, we are going to uh, post it everywhere. It's gonna be wonderful. We're gonna tell everybody about it. Um so where can people find your book? When is it coming out? Where can people find you as, uh, apart from this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So y'all can find me anywhere. Archaic honey. Um, I'm archaichoney.com. Um, that site is kind of neglected at this point. I spend a lot of my time over at bloodmoonbotanica.com. That is my online store for um, perfumes and such. I'm in mean, probably where I will be selling signed copies of the book is at bloodmoonbotanica.com. I am tending to my TikTok and trying to get on the anti-witch talk side of just like finding the not love and light witches of witch talk hmm. right now. Um, it's going well, um, but I'm archaic dot honey on TikTok. Um, I stopped using Twitter. Yeah. Instagram's really where my kind of my home base is at these days. So you can just find me there at, at Archaic Honey. And the book, you can order the book at tiny, it's tinyurl.com backslash earthwitchbook. 
You can go directly to that link. There will be a link in the show notes, or you can just uh, search Earth Witch on Amazon. And I know a lot of folks are like, oh, but I don't want to order from Amazon. I want to support you directly. You are supporting me directly if you order from Amazon. Yes, you do not personally have a warehouse full of these books to ship out on your own. That's not how this works. Nope. Um, it actually is very helpful to purchase from Amazon if you can. Yes. Yeah. Support um, new authors on Amazon. I know we don't want to support the Jeff Bezos, but hey, we live in capitalism. Right. We should just tax him accordingly and move on with our lives. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, this has been a wonderful, a little leftist episode here of (laughs) The State of Witchcraft and Britain's amazing new book. Make sure you guys go out and buy it. And in the meantime, do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.